Hi, you've just downloaded or otherwise accessed a podcast of Cross Point Church and the teaching ministry presented through our weekly Sunday morning worship. Feel free to burn a copy of this file when you're finished and pass it along to a friend you think might also benefit from the teaching. We hope you enjoy the message today, and thanks again for taking the time to visit. When I think about Saul of Tarsus, I think about Danny Reagan, detective on Blue Bloods. He is, um, he's like a pit bull. He's tenacious. He, he, he won't let go. He, he's, once he gets a scent of something, he's on it and, and stays there. And that was, that was Saul of Tarsus um, before he becomes Paul. He is uh, this persecutor and, and, and judge, jury, and executioner of early, early, the early church, early believers. Turn to Acts chapter 9. I want you to read this story with me of his, his pursuit and how Jesus intersects in the middle of that pursuit with a different plan, a different a plan, a, a program, a different tra- a trajectory for Paul. Saul. Verse 1, chapter 9. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found anyone there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I'm Jesus whom you're persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city and you'll be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. Today from this text, I want us to have four takeaways. The first is this. As we've been talking about what's in your hand, we looked in week one about what was in David's hand, a sling and a stone. Week two, what was in Saul's hand, or, or Moses' hand, was the staff, a stick. And how God, if he can use sticks and stones, he can use anything. And here, uh, what was in, in Saul's hand was to come against the kingdom, against the church, and God put, turns that on its ear. We'll see in just a moment. But look at this first point I want us to see. In Saul's hand were letters or warrants. Look at verses 1 and 2 again with me. Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest, asking for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found anyone there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners. Went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues. Now, Saul, who would later become the Apostle Paul, of course, uh, finds himself here in the position of judge, jury, and in the case of the stoning of Stephen, uh, executioner. In fact, if you want to turn back there to chapter 7 of of Acts, we can look at a couple of verses in that story. Uh, Let's see, chapter 7, verse 51. You stiff-necked people, your hearts and ears are still uncircumcised. You You were like your ancestors. This is Stephen speaking. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Was there ever a prophet your ancestors did not persecute? They even killed those who, who uh, predicted the coming of the righteous one, and now you have betrayed and murdered him. Verse 54, when the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, they were furious and gnashed their teeth. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up in the heavens, saw the glory of God, and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. At this they covered their ears and yelling at the top of their voices, they all rushed at him dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet 
of a young man named Saul. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. When he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this against them. When he had said this, he fell asleep. And Saul approved of their killing him. So he finds himself here in, in the position of judge and jury and executioner, certainly as it pertained to Stephen and anybody else for that matter that resisted, uh, would resist arrest. So here's Saul, a well-groomed, well-educated Pharisee, member of the Sanhedrin, uh, condoning the murder of Stephen and going town to town and throwing into jail any believers, any Christians that he finds, putting them into prison. So then these letters to the high priest were actually warrants for the arrest of those who were a part of the way, who, who were Christ's followers, as we saw in Scripture. So the Pharisees were the um, religious side of the Sanhedrin. The Sadducees were the legal side of the Sanhedrin. They were the, the lawyers. So here's Saul, a Pharisee, thrust into this legal appointment here as the Jesus police uh, because of the zeal that he had and the desire that he had for the law and to punish anyone who didn't adhere to it. Can I give you a clue? That time of religious persecution is coming again. In fact, it's already here. It just hasn't visited us yet. Believers all across the world in China, in many European nations, in the Middle East, in Russia, are being arrested and some put to death for their faith. That day's coming in America, certainly by the, by the time of tribula uh, tribulation, if not before. And as you, you, you have to keep your, or at least have to have your head in the sand to see that us not inching in that direction today. So these, those days are becoming these days as well. Uh, this, he, he had in his hand some letters and some more. Secondly, in Saul's hand was a meeting was a meeting, verses 3 to 5. When we look at what he says there, as he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. Who are you, Lord? Saul recognizes in, in the blinding light and in the voice that he hears from heaven that this is an encounter like nothing he's ever experienced before. Uh, in fact, he uses the term Lord here and tells us exactly the recognition and the weight that he gives this encounter. Now, this was before the Saul, of course, is a moments before he becomes a believer. And there was no Holy Spirit in him to guide him to truth. So he's stuck in the law, stuck in the, in the Old Testament law. And Old Testament followers of God, the, the, the Jewish people, it was, it was a physical nature. There were supernatural things that occurred all throughout the Old Testament in a physical nature so that Men and women could see the hand of God. The Holy Spirit was not there to resonate those things into their hearts, so they had to witness them physically. And that's exactly what Paul does in this light and in, in, in the voice. Uh, but as I say, you, you can hear the weight that he gives this in his response by using the word, and this is key, using the term Lord here. Who are you, Lord? So he's telling us, I think, in essence, he's asking the question, is this who I think it is? Is this, is this God? speaking to me. Then the response uh, tells, you, tells him all he needs to know because the response is, says, I'm Jesus whom you're persecuting. Now, after this meeting, this encounter that he has with Jesus on the road to Damascus, uh, Paul is never, the, or Saul rather, is never the same after this, this encounter. Notice here that he, he doesn't pray the sinner's prayer, yet this is his conversion experience. He simply finds himself in, in total submission to the voice of Jesus. And as we see later, he turns a 180. 
from this point forward in his life and begins preaching and telling the story of Messiah to the Jews and the story of salvation to the Gentiles. So a question I want to ask here is this morning to us is, have you ever met Jesus? If so, you'll never, you'll never leave that encounter the same. Uh, you, you, can, you can leave church the same. You can have a meeting with the pastor and leave the same. You can go on a mission trip and come home the same. You can go to a camp or some other religious encounter and leave the same. But friend, you will never meet Jesus and leave the same. Ever. Why do I know that to be true? Because his word teaches it and because I've experienced it myself. We just sung. Uh, in fact, the truth is, in fact, isn't the name of Jesus all we need? And it is, and he is. And he shows up here to, to prove that to Saul. So, in Saul's hand was letters and warrants and was a meeting, thirdly. In his hand was a mission. A mission, look at verse 6. Now get up and go into the city and you'll be told what to do. Get up and go, he says. So we see here that this encounter, this meeting with Jesus wasn't all about stopping the persecution. That, that, that ends up happening, of course. But that's not totally what this was about. This encounter was about changing the trajectory in Saul's life. Changing his, his sense of life mission his purpose, his direction, his destiny, and giving him a new sense of mission, new sense of purpose. What this story doesn't tell us, though, is what was going through Saul's mind as he, as Paul Harvey would say, the rest of the story, as he's being led to Damascus. Uh, in, in fact, I think it's ironic that here is Saul telling everybody else what they're going to do. They're, he's going to throw him in jail. And Jesus, in fact, tells him, you're going to be told what to do when you get to Damascus. He's blinded, of course, by the light, can't see, and uh, it says he's going to have to be told what to do. You've got to appreciate the irony. As I said earlier, 180-degree flip here with, with Saul, 180 from where he was going to where he's headed. His beliefs were changed. His mind was changed. His vocation and job were changed. His vision, both physically and spiritually, were changed. Uh, his whole life changed. I wonder if that's been true for you. Has, has your encounter with Jesus, your meeting with Jesus changed you? Has it changed your vision, what you see, how you see the world? Uh, has it given you a whole sense of mission as a believer in Jesus? Or are you just interested in getting your heaven ticket punched and staying in charge until that day comes? I wonder where you are between those two places of living a missional, on-purpose life or just waiting for heaven. This was a missional change in Saul's life. Total, total 180 for him. In, in Saul's hand were letters and warrants, was a meeting, a mission. And finally, in Saul's hand was blind trust. Blind trust, look at verse, what he says in verse 8. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. And for three days he was blind, didn't eat or drink anything. Led him by the hand into Damascus. So Saul goes here from leader of the pack to being led by the pack into Damascus. Uh, God leading by the hand. So Saul's still a young man here. He had garnered a lot of approval with his cohorts in Jerusalem uh, and had, of course, had, had many enemies as well. But all that's about to change because his cohorts are about to now want to put him to death after his conversion. And his enemies, what, what, what were his enemies, people of faith, uh, early New Testament believers, are now reluctant and skeptical brothers and sisters in Christ. So he was trusted by nobody. He was on an island by himself and, and, and knew that. Uh, I wonder if God's ever taken your plans and said, okay, let's set that over here for a while. 
when I was in my 20s, I thought I would be a contemporary Christian recording artist and touring artist. And I did that some for a season. When I got into my 30s, I thought I was going to be a worship leader in a prominent church, leading hundreds, perhaps thousands of people in worship. Into my 40s, I had some people interested in my songs and my music, and I thought I would be the next prolific worship songwriter. Sitting here today in my 60s, I look back on those, those plans that I had, and none of them came to pass. And I would have never seen this day in those days, ever. God takes our plans and turns them on the ear to, to show us something better. Here's, here's what I want you to see. He humbled Saul. You see this story, Saul fell to his knees. This is arrogant, pompous, pious, authoritative guy fell to his knees and was humble before the, the Lord Jesus there that day. I wonder what humility has, has done to you. I wonder whether, whether God has humbled you before uh, when he humbles us, it's often to open the door to something we would never otherwise see apart from that. Don't forget that. When God humbles you for, for, for one reason or another, it's usually to see something you would never see apart from that humility take place. Uh, he always has design to what he does. I wonder if that's been true for you. I wonder if you've seen it but said no thanks. Or I wonder if you've seen it and embraced it and are walking in that place today. Only you can answer that question, whether you, you, you've been obedient to the reason why he's humbled you. Well, let me close with a couple of observations. First is this, is that Saul began with nothing good in his hand. Those letters and arrest warrants for believers were some, in some cases death sentences, if not jail. So he began with nothing good in his hands. He was a murderer and, and uh, a, as I say, a pompous, authoritative, arrogant somebody. However, Jesus took him by the hand and changed his trajectory. He took Saul by the hand and changed his trajectory. And he, friend, can do that for you and for me. Here's what I want you to see, though, as we close. It's far better to pursue that than to be blindsided by it. It's far better to recognize God's got design for me and lest he humble me to see it. Why don't I seek that on my own? Why don't I find that before he brings me to my knees as he did Saul to get him to see another way of life, to get him to turn a 180, to get him to have a different trajectory and plan and design. What does it take for God to show me those kinds of things and for me to see him and respond to him? Because what Saul began with in his hand wasn't very good. What he ended with, though, is what you and I enjoy and know today as the New Testament church. And, and much of the New Testament scripture that we have to read to tell the story is at the hand of Saul of Tarsus, that, that murderer, that, that guy who could just see one way until God grabbed him, turned his trajectory around and moved him in a different direction. And he wants to do that with each of us. We've got to be willing to see the humility is a means to an end with him. Let's pray. Father, today we thank you for these reminders from your word of this story of meeting, meeting Saul exactly where he was in the midst of a mission that was detrimental to the kingdom, that was detrimental to the cause, to the way, as the scripture says. And you meet him exactly in the middle of that mission 
and say, Saul, let's go in a different direction. Let's you and I go over here. Let's go to Damascus. Let's let you be blinded for three days and let you be told what to do by Ananias and then change your, your trajectory to where you're walking into the synagogues. Instead of arresting people, you're preaching Jesus. You're sharing the gospel. You're telling the story of your conversion. You're telling the story of what God has done for you and wants to do for them. Father, would you help us see that we need those things as well? We need to get off of our own path, our own way, our own design, and walk in what you have for us. Would you help us see those things today? Would you help us see those before you humble us, before you take us to our new knees? Would we pursue that on our own? Would we, would we search that out and step into it today and not stop until we find your divine plan and purpose and trajectory for our lives? Today, help us to want that more than we want life itself. Help us to seek you more than we seek anything on its own. Thank you for these reminders from your word. We're grateful for the spirits bringing them, uh, meshing them into our hearts. Help this not leave us tomorrow and the day after and the day after, but let us seek you and your will and your design for us daily. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening to today's message from Cross Point Church, helping people navigate the journey toward an authentic, biblical, and contagious walk with Christ.